0: Hi there, Dave Levine here. Thanks ever so much for joining me for episode number 44 of the Sports Stories Podcast. This is the podcast where we dive and delve into the lives and the sports stories of those people who have had influential experiences of working in and through sport. Now, last uh, episode, we had Sam Parfit. Sam was the CEO of the True Athlete Project and had a, a background in playing performance tennis. Now we move on from tennis into uh, the role of a coach developer. My special guest today is coach developer for Netball, Miss Sarah Green. Sarah is a really open, honest and wears her heart on a sleeve type of person and I'm delighted to have her on the show today because I'm sure we'll get some real great insights into her story. Sarah has also transitioned from one sport to another and is sure to share many of the gems and the experiences she's gained. So as usual, please, Sit back if that's what you do, go off on your bike, go for a run, but get into the place where you can really maximize the opportunities that you'll gain from hearing Sarah's story. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, a coach, or crucially a leader, you'll gain something from today's episode please leave a review any comments any feedback that you've got it's always really appreciated but crucially it's great to hear some of the stories and the successes you get from listening in so all it leaves me today is to wish a really really warm welcome to my very special guest performance coach developer for netball miss sarah green sarah it's really great to have you with me on the sports stories podcast thanks so much for finding a little bit of time in your very, very busy diary, it's really good to have you. I'm going to start because you won't know this, but I was talking to a previous podcast guest of mine, uh, Nathan Wood, who works at Cricket, and he said, I I was just chatting to him, he said, "Um, do you know Sarah Green? And I said, yeah, I do know her. Why didn't you ask her to come on the podcast? She would be great. So, you know, you've been recommended to come on here. So welcome. Thanks for giving up your time. And, um, you know, thanks to Nathan for sort of recommending and introducing you as well. So, how are you before we get going? It's really important for me just to check in. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Um, That's nice to hear. I've I've met Nathan. Our new performance director is from cricket, so he kind of, like, connected us. So, that's how um, we kind of met. But, um, yeah, I'm good. Like, the sun's shining today, so that's nice. It's been a bit of a struggle to get outside for the past (laughs) couple of days because it's been freezing. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you.
0: You know, just for the listeners, do you want to just... Give us a bit of a sense of, you know, how did you first get into sport and what was your introduction to it back in the early days?
1: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I, when I was thinking about this this week, I was trying to think about kind of like, oh, you know, where like where did that come from? And I think, you know, I I really I'm probably one of those people that I don't know. like I really loved school. Like I just <laughs> loved school. Like I loved primary school and I loved secondary school. I had really positive experiences and um I just had like I remember my year six teacher Mr Palmer he started a girls football team and I you know never played I didn't play mixed football at all and I think for someone of my age that was quite unique so I, I always had a, a girls football team to like play in so that was really positive we got to um I'm sharing share my age a little bit now but we got to be like um We didn't hold flags, but we hold these little poles with the team's names on for Euro 96, like um, at the forest ground and stuff like that. So we got to do that, that was really cool. Um, And then my secondary school, um, my PE teachers were just like really good. Like I I was in every school team, um, just like did cross country, did dance, all sorts of stuff. Um, But I also um, quite early on um, did ballet and um I really like had a really good time like at dance and ballet and just really loved it and that was just a really quite local thing within our community um and then just got to the age at one point where my ballet teacher was like I think you're going to need to choose and interestingly that question just made me think well if she thinks it's a problem then I'm going to choose football <laughs> so um I was uh but yeah I just I really you know I had a um, I didn't have a family that played a lot of sports actually my dad and my brother just played football but um I just loved kind of being at school and kind of experiencing all of those different types of sports to be honest
0: what was the family involvement you say they just your, your dad and your brother played football did it was was football everywhere and that was it and you ended up having to find your own way to others or you know what was that environment like for you
1: yeah, I mean, my dad um, had grown up, like, playing football and played, like, semi-pro-type, get-your-cash-in-a-brown-envelope-type football at the weekend. And, me and my, um, I think we lived quite a, like a traditional kind of... Um, week where my dad and my mom would like go to work and then on a saturday we would go to our grandparents but then my dad would always get out of going to see the in-laws by playing football and so would my brother he would get out of going to visit grandma by doing that so very quickly i learned that i wouldn't have to go and sit and be bored at grandma's if i got interested in football i could go to watch my dad or and play with my brother So um, I did that. I really hated being a girl at that point because my brother got to go in the changing rooms and kind of like be in and around all of that environment. Um, But yeah, my brother was really good at football. So my brother um, went through the academy system and played for Knott's County. um, And that brought a lot of opportunities for me because um, we would go to summer camps together and we would experience all that kind of stuff. and we would be able to kind of enjoy that and you know my mum was involved in education so we would do quite a lot of summer camps and things like that so yeah it was um, football was there and I was quite fortunate I guess at school because I did get to experience other sports but I probably never got to have an experience of being part of other clubs so it was always like football was probably going to be the only club that I um, got into which I don't regret because it's given me like a really good life but I do wonder like what would have happened if I'd maybe had a bit more of a diverse choice to be honest
0: and and you, you mentioned about the choice from ballet to football what sort of age was that when you were beginning to have to sort of focus a little bit more so
1: yeah I think so I think that must have been like when I Uh, moved over to secondary school so 11 12 or or something and um I'd had a really good experience of ballet like I I really just loved it so I did ballet I did tap and I did like um that like a modern dance it was and uh, you know we took part in shows and I got to do um be the snow queen and do a solo (laughs) on my own and I just like really loved that and I think um interestingly that being forced to make that decision and like commit was what really like turned me off that. But I really loved dance and music. But I I didn't, I wasn't ready to make a choice. So I was a bit like, well, you know, I I think maybe I'm better at football. And it wasn't even like the teacher was saying to me, you know, you're really good at this, you could focus on this. It was just like, I just don't, I don't think you can do both and you probably need to decide. Um, So yeah, and that was probably quite a, a pertinent time really for me because actually being a girl, being, you know, going into my teens at secondary school, being the only one of my immediate friendship groups that actually played sport, let alone that being football, was quite tough. Um, so letting go of ballet was probably like, seemed madness to my friends, to be honest.
0: What, what were your recollections of that time then? Because you know, the way you paint it is, you know, it sounds like it might have been madness to your friends. Was it easy navigating that stage or you know, what learnings did you take away from that, those sort of teenage years that you can recall?
1: Yeah, like to be honest, like I said to you, I really loved school, mm. but um, I found um the school environment at times and like navigating those friendships and stuff, I probably like most like young people, I found that really hard. Yeah. In particular, I think because um as much as I had good opportunities to play like girls' football, um it, it wasn't really like a big thing. So, uh, you know, I wasn't going to the park after school and kind of like hanging out with the boys. I was going to training, or I was kind of maybe, um, invested in kind of wanting to kind of be better at football or I would go to all the after school clubs and the PE teachers liked me, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or it, and it, it was, it was really tough. And at times, like I found, um, that whole self-image thing like really difficult just because um I was tall as well you know and that that was tough like it was really tough and I, I think think just kind of reflecting back on that like um I I feel really fortunate that I had like really good really good teachers as well like my my parents separated when we were at when I was still at secondary school right. and I never I had a geography teacher that was just really really brilliant you know I was struggling to like do homework and things and she'd let me stay behind after school to like do my homework at school oh, wow. and I just never forget those kind of like really valuable moments that you know and they say like teachers are really important but yeah like I I think that experience at school was valuable but at times it, it navigating that was was really difficult to if I wanted to stay focused on what I felt like was important to me
0: I'm conscious of those that are listening in here might also have a sense of, you know, they're either working with that age group or they've got children that are at that age group and helping them navigate it. Did you call on any strategies at all? Or what, looking back, how did you, how did you navigate that difficult time? Because you talked there about, you know, body image. You know, I'm also thinking here, you know, you were a a girl in a a sport that wasn't traditionally a female sport or, you know, it was quite new coming through there. You're kind of groundbreaking in many ways, weren't you, quite early on? You know, and i'm just wondering how did how did you manage that
1: yeah t- to be honest i don't think i really uh, i don't think i really managed it in 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 the sense of kind of did i find that emotionally and mentally quite like, quite like, like yeah like okay. at times my my inner voice like my self-talk was was really difficult and many years back actually um I found a lot of my um, diaries from when I was wow. a, a, a young, and it, it and it was it was just really sad, and a lot of stuff that I'd written in there was stuff like um, I wasn't sure whether I was um, like normal, like for yeah. my age. It, I was asking myself questions, where it was like is this what a girl of my age should be doing mm-hmm. and i think and that to me like reflecting back on that i'm just like oh that's so sad like that was so sad that i was unsure about prioritizing kind of like what made me happy but the thing which maybe doesn't make sense was I think there was still like, as much as I was being quite negative and reflecting on that, like there was still something within me that knew I, I did want to do it. And I did want to, you know, cause it made me happy. Like, and I knew that I was actually quite good at football. So, um, going to training and being around those people and being successful, and I could feel a sense of success um still kept driving me forward. I think, when I remember back to some of the moments which made me feel secure um, was just the coaches and the, and the teachers at my school that told me or made that, you know, I was doing well or, or created a space for me to be like, it's okay, you know, and, and they kept me feeling like I could come back. I, I you know, I, I really remember how I felt in those environments. And that was, you know, I felt happy, I felt safe, and I, I felt like I could succeed
0: Reflecting back, when whenever you started making sense of some of this stuff, did you know it then, or did you just do what you did? Um, do you think?
1: No, um, to, to be honest, um, I um, I think the latter year. So I was kind of like. Um, much much you know coming towards the end of school actually like 16 17 when my parents kind of like formally separated like right. divorced um, and I found that really I just found that really hard oh, okay. um and I think it you know it was just the sense of kind of like um just what does that mean you know it, and it was never about kind of like oh is this our fault or anything like that yeah. it was just kind of like you know what what does this mean now and kind of like um, I think just understanding kind of how you will be supported in from two different people in two different spaces. Um, and actually, like, um, I think I lived with a lot of kind of that upset and anger and stuff for a very long time. And it wasn't until much later, like 2008, where I decided that the best thing for me to do would be to talk to someone about it. So, um, and I've actually been... I think maybe on three or four different occasions um, being to uh, a counselling, so to see a a counsellor. And I think, uh, to be fair, I was talking to someone about this this week because I know people have different opinions of it. Like some people prefer to talk to their friends, some people prefer to talk to a stranger, whatever. For me, it was really important, actually, that I could talk to someone who didn't know me Mm -hmm. and really could have no, not no opinion, but... Um, didn't really matter kind of the dynamics of any of the relationships and stuff. Um, I went to see a couple of counselors actually actually that that were terrible, that were really like, just really terrible, like made made suggestions to me that I was just a bit like, well, no, like why would I wanna do that? Or really didn't seek to understand. And the last counselor that I saw um, was absolutely one of the best, best people that I've ever spoken to because I think I'd probably matured a little bit and I went in there and I said um, this is what I need from you so this is what I need and I said like this is the type of person that I am and I need you to help me to understand how I can be making progress because the problem is I feel like I'm stuck. I need to understand why I feel like this and I need to see that I'm getting better And um, what was interesting about that was um, she really listened to me. And actually what we discovered was I knew how to help myself. Mm. I just needed to hear it, you know, and like she just you know, so much happened during that period. So it was during that period, actually, that I was seeing that that last counsellor that I actually changed jobs. When I started going, I was going like every other week. And then sometimes it gets a bit much to have those conversations. So we like, you know, spaced mm-hmm. it out a bit. But one day I'd gone back to her and she's like, how have things been? I'm like, yeah, I've handed in my notice actually. <laughs> like, I'm going to be leaving. And she was like, what? So, so, so um, but I just found it's particularly that latter, that latter experience. Um, just just so useful for me to try to understand maybe why I was behaving in some way. so let's just say like some behavior patterns that I'd established and I needed to break them down and kind of you know look at them um, I needed to understand that I could help myself and I was very capable of doing that and I needed to appreciate how self-aware I had become and, I, you know, and, and embrace that really, because I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, I'd learned how to be very self-aware, but I I used to just almost be quite shy about the, f- not own that and be like, yeah, I know myself well. And I know that I feel angry today, or I know that I feel upset. And I just, I didn't own that. I wasn't proud of it when actually that's a really valuable skill. So um that experience for me was just, you know a really, really valuable one that's helped me Grow, and I think it's helped me be a better person, and then and, and definitely better at, at my job.
0: What what keeps coming back to me, you know, at a high level, is kind of nearly pivotal moments, you know, in terms of actually your parents' separation and the pivotal moment that that caught, created for you, but also then actually finding the right person to talk to and how that's become a pivotal moment and how you've really captured that, you know. And I just think. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, what also really strikes me is that the connection between, you know, the, the job that you now do in terms of helping people, which we'll come to even more so, but, you know, how your journey has really kind of influenced who you are and what you do. I, I don't know. That's what I, I hear. You, you mentioned about your parents being working in education and you now, you've you told me about this kind of learning journey that you've been on. Where did you go kind of after school and then you went into your work job? And you also mentioned you you left the FA, but how did that all fall out? And tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah, so to be honest, I've probably never really spoken like out so out loud about this, actually. <laughs> Um, so I stayed at school Um, uh, so I did a levels at school and that felt very like safe for me like that just felt like the right thing for me to do and I, I wanted to, you know, probably because I loved school so much so I was like why wouldn't I stay at school a bit longer, um, but then yeah that that period was quite tough so that's when kind of my parents were separated and stuff and I think obviously things were tough for them. So, um, and you know, we weren't particularly kind of like well off and actually my parents were really young when they had me. Um, So they were still quite young and I was never really like talked to or spoken to or think about going to university. Um, I got offered a scholarship to America and that turned that down because financially it wasn't like viable. It wasn't, you know, and that was really disappointing but actually I was probably still going for a period in my mind where I was like, I don't know if I can move away from home and just do that at such a young age, Um, so I I went to college and did a um, HND in like um, sports coaching I think it was, and then I got offered um, a place at a women's football academy, so switched courses and moved to this other college to kind of like play football and just but still kind of like study and whatever but for quite a long period of time after I'd done all of that like studying people would say to me about going to university and stuff and I'd, I used to tell a lie I used to be like yeah I went to uni did I did a degree because I felt really embarrassed about the fact that I hadn't done it and I just felt really insecure about my knowledge and just kind of like it was quite pertinent then at the time I think that when you were applying for jobs, it was like need a degree, need a degree, and I was like, oh my god, like what am I going to do? So um, I'd I'd gone to America like coaching, which was a you know good experience for me played a bit of football at a university there, probably a bit illegally to be fair, because I wasn't doing a course or whatever, (laughs) they just drafting me. But came back and then actually one of my first proper jobs is probably one of my most favourite jobs that I've ever done. Um, I got a job working for a a charity called NACRO, which is a national crime reduction organisation. And I worked with young offenders um, or people at risk of offending through a a sports football project. And... um, I just loved, like, don't get me wrong, emotionally, it was difficult. Like, you know, I'd get information through about these young people and I'd be like, oh my God, like, I, you know, how am I going to talk to this young person? Like, what they've done is just so bad. But um, I just loved it. I lo- what I loved did, what did
0: you thing. love about it? What was it that you
1: loved? Um, I, th- I, th- I, I honestly feel like behaviour is... Um, the result of something so don't believe that people are just pure badness and don't get me wrong I'm not talking about like you know maybe people who've got kind of like complex issues or like you you know what I mean like people who you know sociopaths or anything that I don't understand that well enough but people who maybe just like steal sweets from a shop or kind of like you know take part in petty crime or, you know, young people. I, I honestly believe that it it, it it was an output of something else that they were feeling internally. And I just felt like um, they just wanted to be heard and they wanted to be understood. And at that point in time, I think um, I was finding life quite difficult because I wasn't feeling heard or I wasn't feeling like nurtured. People and cared. understood <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I kind of feel like, um, you know, I wanted to to kind of be there for those young people to try to understand and just make sure that they knew that someone believed in them and also, you know, keep them active and stuff. Um, I just, so I really, like really loved that. And it was only just, I think I got to the point where I was wanting to invest more in um, my career. I, I was very firmly stuck on the idea then that um, I had a, a very fixed route of a career path, which was I would work at a county FA, and then I would eventually get a job at the FA, and, and that's really what I had in my mind. And this job at NACRO, like in football, was like my, my first kind of step. You opened the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Did it did it work out that way? And, and you know what? You know what? I, just on the macro role, it, it it sounded like that job for me was more than football, though.
1: Yeah, and I, but I probably didn't understand it at the time. I okay. think it's one of those things, isn't it, where you look at a job description so I think my job title was kind of like a football project coordinator or something (laughs) like that and I was just like oh yeah I'm just going to be like delivering football sessions and this that and the other when actually like at the time that that really wasn't the case and but it's not until maybe much later when you reflect on that experience you you know how important that was and what that taught me about myself um and you know, that was never part, actually what I thought I was going to end up doing was be a PE teacher. Right. And then I quite okay. quickly worked out that probably that, that really wasn't for me and that wasn't going to happen. And then that's where I decided to go down the more coaching or football development experience. So, um, that's what this NACRO job really was about for me. It was really getting my foot in the door with that, but then ended up having this whole new experience with young people. And I was like, Oh, you know, I this is quite good you know i really feel invested in them but
0: um, did it o- did it open the door into the county system then that job or did it open you uh, open other doors or how do you how did it progress so through?
1: no so i never actually got a job at a county affair <laughs> i um after that I went so there was quite a period of time where there was a lot of investment into right. facilities so I actually um, got a job at a secondary school as a football development officer linked to a county FA kind of like partnership but um, yeah I was, I was based at school kind of like managing a facility and whatever um, and like I loved that job and I got an but I think it, it kind of naturally like satisfies the cu- a curiosity which i didn't know i had which was linked to education um that was really important to me but i didn't really realize that you know i, I wouldn't have probably taken that a role that advertised in that way
0: so sarah what was your curiosity about education in that school setting because you know you flirted around school a lot and you've got really fun memories haven't you of schools so i guess yeah. is, is that the basis of it or, or what was the basis of your curiosity there I don't and really,
1: so my mom um, was a nursery manager. So right. she managed um, nurseries, um, all you know, all of her work in life. After me and my brother went off to school, she was you know a nursery nurse. Um, she worked for Ofsted, inspecting nurseries. After that, so we would have a, quite a lot of experiences um, in school holidays, in and around kind of that nursery environment. And then, in in fact, like when I was much older I um my mom was working at a nursery and in the summer holidays I would work as a nursery assistant with yeah. the holiday group and things like that so I was always around kind of that and then obviously had that experience of being coached and being taught you know so that was always um, and I just looked kind of like kids and you know like just playing and kind of being interacting with them and stuff so yeah that I never really realized how much um, that played a part in in my career. But then from that secondary school position, that FDO position, um, that's when the FA's Tesco Skills Programme started. And I got a job there. And it was quite a legendary type, um, big deal, Trevor Brookings kind of big idea of how to improve football and skills for the 5 to 11s. And um, anyone who was anyone, any coach that I knew in and around the football circuit, like, that that was the place to go and then I was fortunate enough to get one of those positions yeah and it felt so spec you know like it felt so special like so um got this job uh Tesco skills just I, I I went in as a skills coach and um I was actually got a job offered in Leicestershire so I live in Nottingham I got a job offered in Leicestershire so that was you know not ideal but it was kind of like listen and I, at that point though I would have been I was in that thing where I'd like if they'd have said to me Sarah we can only offer you a pound a week I'd be like yeah fine <laughs> for <free>. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was just like listen I will do whatever I need to do but um yeah and I was kind of just I felt so lucky and I, I just felt like um I could it was just learning every single day um, and then i got so many opportunities. So the skills program was really quite revolutionary in the fact that it was very forward thinking, not being about displacing teachers. So we were involved in a lot of projects that was about upskilling teachers, really understanding like lesson planning and just, so I got involved in, I was part, um, part of the education group for the skills program and chaired that group were linking with other bodies like AFP and all of that. And I just I was thinking, like, this is brilliant. Um, and then I, beca- I got promoted to be a team leader. So I was managing a team of skills coaches. And, you, you know, like we were involved in national projects where, or, or national meetings with the whole of FA education where we just, you know, away days and we'd get to see different coaches work or we'd be seeing the national teams work. And you were just like, this is brilliant. It's like constant CPD all the
0: time you, you mentioned a bit earlier though uh, the idea about you know I was so lucky and, and I just pick up your energy and passion for you know the, the job and I can see why you wanted to do it even you know back then but I'm also sat here thinking you know were you lucky or did you make your own luck you know in terms of how you've navigated your way in there and then opened doors and maximized opportunities you know if we just dig a little bit deeper than the, yeah. the luck yeah what's your okay. thought?
1: Yeah, to be honest, um, I spent an awful lot of time prior to kind of getting that job at the FA um, volunteering. I-, I made it my business to be where I thought I could learn the most. So um, I could, I-, I would volunteer at like different events. I would support the not FA with different stuff. I was involved in this like. Um, football group that was about the coalfield regenerations trust i think and i was like getting the bus there or because i couldn't drive at the time and i I just kind of like you know made it my business to kind of learn from the people who i thought not could like um make things happen for me but would be like oh yeah well, I know Sarah like and she's pretty good like she she's she kind of you know she makes it her business to kind of be better and and I just wanted people to kind of know me so it was kind of like, you know if something comes up we're like oh, actually I know someone who might be interested in that or do a good job um and I think I'd learned that um from my parents you know one of the, my lasting memories like my parents worked really hard and um they they were very driven and very motivated and really drilled into us that like we had to like make things happen and i'm, I'm never me and my brother I never work shy like just get stuck in do what we need to do we can't sit and wait for things to happen you go and make it happen
0: i think it's lovely to hear the results that fell out from from yeah. that journey so so yeah. go on, what, what, what happened in the FA then? You know, you, you, you got in there, um, you know, you were on your journey around football at, at this stage. So how, how's, how did you progress with your, your footballing career and your coaching career from there?
1: Yeah, I mean, so interestingly, I'd been coaching at like um, girls' centres of excellence and stuff okay. prior to starting at the FA. And I actually had started my A licence before I started working at the FA but I didn't I'd done the first two weeks of it because it was very old it was a bit old school then like you did two weeks at Lillyshaw then you went back the following year but um, because I took this job at the FA I deferred it and, and just said you know I'm going to be working to 5 to 11s so I need to like just pause that and like push it to one side Um, but focused all my attention really on that job at the FA and it was just like yeah like I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to get better and I'm going to grow. And the natural thing was you go in as a skills coach. If you're decent and you're good, and you work really hard you become a team leader. And that, that was all going really well for me. Um, and then quite quickly. So I seem to be up until that point, a very much a, a two year person doing a job. And then I'd be like, right, I'm bored now. Like, what do I need to do? I've stopped learning. Like this isn't hard for me. So I got to be a team leader. And then I'm thinking, right, well, what, what's going on and then there was a bit of like a restructure reshuffle teams growing and stuff and I actually became what now is very stupid but a, a super team leader which meant that I was um managing teams in more than one county so that was good because uh I took part in some more recruitment managing people a bit further away from me what does that look like um you know and that kind of filled in some gaps for me um was taking on other projects and stuff um but yeah quite quickly I I thought I don't know like I feel like I I need more and I was very fortunate to be um part of uh, a new team that the FA set up which was called um coaching and education so the the FA created a coaching and education team um I I worked really hard uh, to get that interview. And in that interview, like it was so important to me. Like I just, but I actually, they'd created a, another step in the skills programme. They were like called, I wanna say, they weren't team leaders. They were like some kind of operational kind of national leaders. And I went for one of them jobs and I didn't get it. And Martin Preston, the skills programme team leader, right at the time, who's now a very good friend of mine, like I've been a really good mentor to me. He called me and told me that I hadn't got the job right. He'll remember this phone call for sure. And I was absolutely devastated, right? And he, he asked me a very important question. He said to me, can you talk to me right now or, or not? Like, should we talk? And I said, no, I, I can't. And that was so important to give me that space because I was so sad and upset. And I remember when we did speak, maybe the next day or something, he said to me, I actually don't think you wanted this job. I just... I, I don't believe that you wanted this job. And he was absolutely right. I didn't want that particular how, how job. Did he,
0: how did he know that? Do
1: you think? I, I don't, Dave, I think you can tell. <laughs> when I'm really passionate about something, I literally think it just comes out of me without me realizing. And I think he know, he knew me so well that I hadn't been able to fake it. I, I thought I wanted, I thought I could do it. And he, say, he did say to me, he said, I have no doubt that you could do this job. Yeah. But I believe it's not what you really want. And, and he was absolutely right. You so were.
0: there's that real subtlety, isn't there, between, you know, I, I can do the job or I really want the job. And I think that sort of subtlety is really important, isn't it, in terms of what yeah. comes out of you and what comes next? You know, because and he you- did
1: me a massive favour because if I'd have taken that job, I probably wouldn't have felt like I could apply for the education and coaching team because the pe coordinator role because it would have been too soon and that that job came next i got that job i got you know was working with the premier league clubs up and down the country great to be involved in some new projects um got the opportunity to work quite heavily with first for sport to write a new qualification you know framework all sorts of stuff like i've got to go to china deliver projects for chinese i just There were so many different opportunities, but again, quite quickly, um, and I got promoted to be a manager in there. And actually what was very interesting was that journey about being a manager for me felt so different this time. I felt like I was in a completely different place personally. I felt like I could lead and manage so much better. um, So create much more independence to the people I was managing. I felt more confident doing it and doing it well. Um, But...
0: sorry to cut across but while while you're there you know I'm just thinking uh, I guess when you went for those that job and didn't get it and you you got the job in the education you wouldn't have known what the education job was yet though would it because it was kind of a blank sheet of paper so it's I'm just interested in that concept of you know people um, applying for things and you know actually in the world nowadays we actually don't know what's ahead of us do we? we have to kind of embrace it and go and create it and it sounds like you had a part to play in creating it, but also had to trust it.
1: Yeah, it's so difficult to kind of live in that concept of like <laughs> what will we will be and, yeah. you know, if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. And, um, uh, but I think it did teach me a valuable lesson about kind of, um, I, I you know, and it's hard because I don't really know what it feels like. Um, I've never been in that situation where um, I've... I've had to apply for a job because I needed to apply for a job I've been quite fortunate that when I've been applying for jobs I've always already had one and I think that that adds a different level of stress but um I think uh I do understand now from that experience that actually when you're passionate about something um you you can't fake you can't fake it I think there's an element of kind of you know if you're really into something for me anyway, I, I'm I don't have a poker face. If I'm unhappy, you know. If I'm if I'm happy, it is obvious. And I, I I needed to hear that and to be like and be okay with that and be like, listen, you know what, Sarah, like everything that you you put yourself forward for now. You, you, you need to understand like what that feedback was and you know do you want this job or do you are you exploring the experience or what, what are you doing with this and just be okay with that so if I'm just exploring that experience I'm unsure about that's a job that I want and the feedback coming back to me says we're not sure if this is the right job for you I need to embrace that and be okay with that because I didn't know that either so um, you know it taught me a, a, a really valuable lesson
0: it's also a lesson, and I, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I'm also hearing. I wonder whether there's something about the, you know, the, the the knockback and how you create that level of resilience, or some of the trendy words, bounce back ability, that actually spurred you on to say, okay, I really need to go for this in a different way, or let people know who I am and what I'm passionate about, or did you use it as a, as a springboard? Do you think?
1: Um, I think that's difficult because I I, I don't know if I. I was so upset about yeah. it and I, I think my my reflections on that would be I was so upset that I probably learned about yeah. to just really reflect on that experience yeah. and I probably had already developed a good level of re- resilience through yeah. life at that point anyway yeah. um it didn't no, you know no experience that I've had and I can't tell you like where I've learned this from or whatever. Nothing that I've had experience that I've had has stopped me from going in the direction that I want to get to like I I, no one or nothing will tell me that it's not that I can't do it you know that doesn't I I just want to find different experiences and and have different experiences and be like listen if, if that's the way I think I need to be going I will keep going in that direction you know that's not going to stop me I think what it probably did do what well, I, I learned very quickly about um i probably needed to use my network better i think up until that point i had been a bit more self-reliant in you know independent i've not spoken to anyone about whether i thought that was the right job for me um and i've had mixed experiences with that to be honest i've probably had experiences where i've, I've spoken to people too much and i've taken <laughs> on board their opinions and they've not i've not you know i should have trusted myself I've probably spoken to no one and probably could have done with having a critical friend in those experiences. And I think it kind of, it helps me think about, you know, that and, and using the people to, to reflect on in those situations. But um, just the, you know, having that opportunity and in that interview and, and using that to kick forward into that next space for me, that PE coordinator role, and then, you know, continuing my journey on at the FA, um, but, I think what was really pertinent for me was I kept moving forward at the FA. And I think one of my, one of the most memorable experiences I had, we, we worked with a lady called Liz and she came in to do some stuff around line manager training, you know, really lovely, just very good, like very good to me. We had a lot of really good conversations. And I remember saying to her like, um, if I left the FA, um, I just wanted people to know that I was a nice person and I was kind and that I was okay at my job. And I didn't necessarily care if people thought that I was the most experienced football person or, you know, that I had, I knew about the game or I I didn't want to, that wasn't important to me, but I hadn't really, I'd gone through all of my football coaching career, you know, doing my B license, whatever, going to football clubs where people would say to me, oh, so are you an A license coach then? Like, what do you know? And I, so I'd got confused, and I felt that like that was really important. But then she told, she spoke to me about this, and she's like, "What do you want to be remembered for?" And I said, "I, I want to be kind. I want people to think I'm nice, and I, I want to kind of be good at my job." So we did this exercise. I remember it's December in the December, and um, people had to write on a sheet about you. Go around the room, right? And people wrote on my sheet, and when I took it home at the end of the day, it was just stuff like, a bit passionate nice person, you know, great team and all this. And I just thought, and you know what, Dave, there was something in me at that moment. And I thought to myself, it's time to go now. Not not like my job, I wasn't particularly happy, but I thought to myself, I think it's, I think I can go. I think I can, it kind of gave me permission
0: explore
1: go. going. And um, then just by chance, the January, I saw a job on Twitter (laughs) someone had shared it retweeted it and I thought you know I've I've been playing netball for a few years let's have a look at this um it was a coach developer role that really attracted me because it was pure coach development got in touch with the the person and just said look you know are you looking for someone from netball because I don't have that but I think I can do everything else she was like no like would really welcome your application went through a a really difficult period then because I was like do I leave do I not leave and if I'm someone I can't even remember who this was but someone said to me why don't you just go to that interview and work out if that is a place that you would want to work and I thought what a great what a great bit of advice that is I don't even know if I want to work there so they could I'm, it's almost like I was interviewing, interviewing them, them
0: it flipped it around yeah, yeah. I,
1: thought, I thought well yeah so I went in there and I thought not bothered i've already got a job so i just want to know if this is somewhere that i would like to work and it was a bit difficult because it's one of them ones where they have you all in together in the morning and i was like oh god (laughs) but it was fine i knew what i needed to do in order to kind of um be myself I was comfortable that I didn't need to be the shouting the screaming or that I could just be myself
0: so did you so, tell yourself that before you went you know you've done a lot of work on yourself in terms of thinking this through and I'm wondering did you consciously go and say come on just be yourself or you know but you are also kind of um you know the idea of I'm going to use the word competitive with yourself you know you want to be successful here and therefore yeah. the idea of do I be myself which will help me be successful or do I try and be what they want to be successful
1: I think I had no idea what they wanted at all. And I I think I'd probably got, you know, so what are we talking about now? This is maybe like 18 months ago. And I think I'd got to the point where I was like, um, if they don't want me, it's not a reflection on me. I'm just not what they wanted. So I, I felt quite secure in that I could just be myself. And if it wasn't what they wanted, it's not not the place for me. So I went in there and, um, you know, I've always been, you know, obviously having a career, coaching career in football, always been one of the only females in a coaching course, um, used to it. On this interview day, only female. It wasn't, you know, I was used to that. It didn't scare me. And I thought to myself, I know I've got enough about me to have a good conversation with these other people, that I don't need to be that purposeful disagreeer just to stand out. I'm just gonna be myself and see what happens. So I got through to the afternoon and I won't ever forget this experience either. One of the best things that told me that this was gonna be a good place for me to work is the performance director at the time said to me, one of the questions towards the end was, um, can we just ask you like, how do you maintain a positive self image throughout your work? And I thought, what a great question, you know, and like, what a great question for an employer to ask an employee and to show that that is potentially important to them that, you know, they're considered. And, and I just, I said, I said that to them, I was like, well, what a great question. And I was very comfortable at that point about where I was in my life. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like, I, I found that difficult at times, but I'm also not afraid to ask for help. So I've, been to counseling a few times and da, 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 da. and I thought to myself well if they're going to be like oh no Sarah's like to counseling you know we're not sure about that da, 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 you know that's up to them but I knew that I was honest about who I was and the experiences that I've had um, and I just left it there whatever so um, I got offered the job And those days after that were difficult because I purposefully created quite a lot of opportunities for them to say to me, that's not going to work. So it was stuff like, uh, the car, money, stuff. And I was just like pushed back a bit because I, I was scared to leave. I was really scared to leave the FA. Well, what what, and, were you,
0: what were you scared about? You know, you, you've mentioned uh, that a couple of times, the, the difficulty, and I know swapping jobs is difficult, but what, what was it, do you think that was really? And my
1: identity. I, I was worried that, um, you know, being involved in a footballing community, any sporting community, whether you've grown up coaching tennis or being involved in tennis, you know, the football community, like, People knew me, you know, Sarah Green, she's from football. She coaches football. And, uh, you know, as soon as I stepped outside of that, I was worried that I was going to lose my identity, in particular, if this was a bad decision from me. And I thought, well, how will I how would I go back to that world? Like what, you know, what if I make a mistake? And, you know, will I be taken seriously? I'm gonna lose my credibility. All of this stuff was just going through my mind.
0: Sarah, did you Um, go through all that stuff on your own? You know, How did you work through that period of time? Because loads of people listening to this will be going, this is really similar to me, changing identity, changing roles, those discussions. So, How did you manage that time for you?
1: um, I'd spoke to a few people. So I had a few uh, colleagues that had worked at the FA and left actually. And, um, but that was hard because they were saying to me, just leave, like the grass is greener, you'll be brilliant, did it. And I found that really hard because I'm like, is that your actual thought? Or is that because you've left? like, this might not work out for me. Um, I used uh, a few neutral people. So um, Liz, who I'd spoken about previously, I called her and she basically just said to me, one of her questions was, do you believe that you can do this job and do it really well? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, okay, well, you know, and I, she just believed that everything that I was telling her was that I, I thought I could do it. And um, I, yeah, so I, I, it was difficult because I found it difficult and I, to talk to people who had already left because some of those had had bad experiences on that exit and all of that. So, and talking to kind of neutral people really did help me. Uh, you know, people that weren't invested in either party, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so eventually kind of I, I made the decision. It was difficult. It was difficult to tell uh, my colleagues, actually. My colleagues were absolutely brilliant. I remember we had a meeting and I sat down with two of them and I said, um, I've got an interview. And they were devastated and also so thrilled and supportive that it made me cry because we, we talked a lot about as managers about supporting each other to want each other to be the best that we could. And if that meant exit, then that meant exit. And, you know, two of those colleagues now, I, I speak to a lot and they're just so supportive. And that made me feel like I could do it, like I, I could do it. Um, leaving was really hard. I'd spent 11 years at the FA. I'd grown up there. I'd been through a lot of... A lot of life but also one of my main drivers to leave was I wanted to go to somewhere else and now be the person that I believed I was now in 2008 when I started the FA um, I was an unhappy young woman really because of life I was you know not every day but I, yeah, yeah, I was at, I was at a different point in my life really and I was I still always had this thing at the back of my head that 11 years later, I think a lot of the relationships I've built at the FA had grown through that time. And maybe people still judged me on how they believed I was, yeah, rather than who I was now. And I was very keen to go, do you know what, I'm going to go to netball. And I, I, I I just want to be the Sarah Green who I, I think I am now. That was so, so important to me that I could start again and, and, and also have an impact in a different space
0: you give me goosebumps while you're talking because it's quite that's massive stuff isn't it you know kind of re, not just changing your identity but nearly starting again or reinventing yourself or giving yourself permission to go and be you rather than um sarah green f- football it's this is now yeah. sarah green isn't it and and actually sarah green for what she brings you know i think, I think
1: that's really, that was really important i'd ha- remember um so nick lever and i are really good friends we he was actually the skills team manager, like national manager when I joined the FA. And we've remained really good friends and kind of gone through a really good journey of our careers together. When I told him about um, me leaving, he put me in touch with Jen um, Cody, who's in his team. And she'd just started as a coach developer. And he was like, you know what, she'd be really good. You know, Why don't you speak to her? And um, Jen's brilliant. Like and we're really, really good friends now. And I spoke to her quite a lot. And I remember one of the things that she said to me was um, she'd introduce me to a few people and she'd say, oh, this is Sarah Green, like she's from the FA. And she said to me, I need to stop saying... And at that time, I was still working at the right. FA, but she was like, I need to stop saying that really because that is not who you are. But for a really, really long time, that was who I was. It, it, I was Sarah Green from the FA because the FA, it, it kind of, it gave me gravitas. It, it, it gave me kind of like it was, I was important. And I was only talking to someone about this yesterday, that I really desperately wanted to lose that. I was so grateful. And I am still so grateful for the opportunities I had at the FA, uh, learning, growing, it's made me the coach that I am today. I was so, so fortunate for that. And, you know, will never ever be ungrateful for that. I needed to lose the element of that part of me that i thought made people want to listen to me because of who i was and yeah. that job title yeah. i yeah. wanted people to want to communicate with me because of I'm being who i being sarah am. yeah who yeah. i am as
0: opposed yeah. to who am as opposed to who i work for yeah
1: Yeah, because it was perceived knowledge. I deliver FA courses and stuff. I I said, I was talking to Jay Roper yesterday, right? And I said, I firmly believe if I would delivered on a UEFA B and talked about playing out from the back and I'd said to the coaches, listen, if you just get it, just whack it long, that is honestly the best thing that you could do. I think loads of them would do it because they were like, "Sarah green, she's from the FA and she knows what she's talking about. And that bothered me so much. It, it 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 bothered me so so much because I, I wanted them to question and you know to to question. And there was elements of like, you know, as encouraging coaches to do that and question and challenge, but there was still kind of like this perception that FA, like those people in those roles, they knew what what was everything that was right. They were the gods of football. And that was one of the draws for me coming into Netball is because everyone I now work with knows more than me about Netball.
0: How do you manage that then, Sarah, how, that, that kind of dynamic now? How, how does it sit and feel for you being in this, in this new environment? And I, I'm conscious not to say FA and Netball, because I think the principle of what you're raising is really important. It's not the organisations, it's about the perceived um, power and authority and credibility that they bring, which can detract from the individual, can't it? People moving job will have the same challenges. How, how is it now? Yeah,
1: I think it's an important point that you just raised there. I think or well, actually what was kind of different in my FA role was I had a mixed role that was education, development and, you know, kind of like um, quality assurance. So I was kind of playing different roles to different coaches. So when you were educating them, delivering a course, there's an element of them trying to take from you what you know. And um, so that, and that's difficult because you're trying to be three roles to kind of one coach. And, and that's really tough. Like, that is really tough. And I found that increasingly difficult. Um, but yeah, coming into netball, I'm not going to lie. Like I, um, I, had to make a decision about, uh, you know, do I talk about football or not when I came into netball? So <laughs> I, I, for a long time, I didn't. I, I really didn't. I, I've been in, in meetings with people who were like, oh, I used to work for such and such. And I'd be like, yeah, we know, like, let it go. Like, you know, and I just, I was almost a bit embarrassed to talk about it, to be honest, at times. But then there were times where I thought, thought like it was useful to yeah. reflect on that experience and be proud of it. Um, I found it tough to uh, initially but I think it was my own type of imposter syndrome of just like they know more than me that or they're going to be thinking to, to, you know like what does she know um, I never experienced that back at me no one ever made me feel like that it was just me so I kind of learned to let that go a little bit
0: just to be clear here, I guess you've come from football where you've been an educator, and the words are quite important here, aren't they? As an educator and a coach. And the role you're playing in netball is not an educator or a coach, is it? It's a different role. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I'm performance coach developer. Right. So, um, and I think it, it, I personally believe that if they'd have got someone from netball, they probably would have got this person to deliver it in a different way, in a different function. Um, because I, I speak to quite a lot of the other coach developers in that network. And they're all kind of doing dual role stuff. So they might get involved in educational delivery or technical and tactical input and stuff. But actually um, one of the biggest attractions for me coming to this job is that I couldn't do that. I couldn't have mixed relationships with any of the coaches I work with, which meant that sometimes I was teaching them or educating them. And sometimes I was supporting them as a coach developer because I couldn't do that. I'm not skilled to be their coach educator. So it was just so brilliant that I could come in here and just be there to support them and just help them be the best coach that they could be. And just, to be here to kind of like nurture, support and, and help them grow. Yeah.
0: And there's a real clarity there, isn't there and the simplicity, isn't it? By taking some of the, the ambiguity or the fluff around the words and the roles, it sounds like that's really helped you, but it also might help others understand who you are and the value you bring. As you know, you're an expert in helping people get better, aren't you? As opposed to an expert in football or netball or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. One of the first meetings I had with Andy Andy Bradshaw, right? he said to me um, something about what what our function was, right? And he said, you know, aren't you there to kind of, like, help people get better? And I said, no, I don't like that. I don't like that phrase. Like, I'm not there to kind of, like, help people get better. Like, I just feel like that felt... um, like I they needed me or you know and I but then you know in its most simplest form like you are but those words felt didn't didn't sit right with me and I'm like I'm just here to kind of like help them grow and I've referred those kind of like words yeah. to kind of be there to be that support system but um you know like when I was reflecting on this transition like don't get me wrong um I've got a lot of things wrong you know, I, I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of things wrong in this transition, I um, I didn't allow myself enough time to almost, and I don't want to seem dramatic here, but to grieve, really, to kind right. of, to kind of grieve for the, the for the, that routine, and that experience, that, that you know, what was, um, I just, I just went from one to the other I had a a little bit of a break after the FA and then I went to Kenya actually which was brilliant and building schools and stuff had a really good experience with that um came back started at netball and um I just I kind of wish that I'd I created a bit more mental time and physical time to to really experience that and so, well,
0: when you say grief you know I, I think i understand what you mean but it's not a, it's not a word that you would ordinarily hear in this space think i get it but just to help the listeners
1: i can't really think of a better word but i think there was an element of like it, it almost felt, i feel a bit guilty for saying this now but but i think at that point in early on in that transition a few people had mentioned to me um because it's quite a normal practice at the FA to be fair that people leave and then come back people leave and come back higher up higher up and stuff and I think um there was elements of that nagging in the back of my mind like, I'll be back you know whatever but I was always I was I was you know I'd lost a lot of um friendships or or, you know working relationships that were really important to me and also like I was coming into a role at netball that had not been it was new it had not been done by anyone before i didn't know what i was doing so and i'd gone been working you know my, my working life for i don't know the past 10 11 years i knew what to do every day you know i i, I knew what was expected of me what to do um i, I didn't know what to do anymore so i'd I, you know i was working in a different place. Um, I was also at that point um, expected to kind of be in the office uh, at Lufbra. Um, I'd not experienced that for ten years either, being in an office really. So I was just like, kind of just l- trying to let go of something, yeah. and parts of that I didn't want to let go of, yeah. and I, I, f- I found that like that really, like really, really tough. But there was um, a process I went through, and to be honest um our performance director at the time um was like brilliant with me um I found things quite difficult early on I came back from Kenya and actually was pretty poorly for like a few months and so um starting this job we had the world cup and I was kind of like making my way around you know and all of this and she was just like look Sarah like just try to understand what your job is work out what you think you should be doing and let's just go from there and she was very supportive um I would say quite quickly maybe six months in uh you know keep in touch with some of my old fa colleagues and or speaking to other friends and stuff speaking to coach developers i've met um i honestly and i can sit here and say this now i can't ever ever see myself going back to working in that kind of Football environment solely like that. Um, I don't think I realised how much I'd missed out on um, by being in a broader sporting um, network. You know, as soon as I stepped outside of the FA, I realised how big the other coaching world was. Because I think the rest of the governing bodies, the rest of the sporting world is is much much more connected, whereas. Um, maybe I'd just been in roles uh, the department I was working in I don't know Um, we just spoke to football um, and even though that football world was big uh, it it kind of on reflection made me feel like we'd kept it quite close like I wasn't getting a lot of new experiences or new interactions came into netball a lot smaller we rely on networking with other people and I'm just like where are all these people come from? Like, I never knew all these people existed. Yes, like, they've been so important for me um, and my understanding of my role and shared experiences and um, just, you know, that support in this environment. And weirdly now, weirdly, I was part of a meeting the other week um, with the FA. So a, uh, a pathway meeting, The yes. me, people from rugby, the FA you know sharing experiences talking about kind of you know doing a bit of a a scoping out exercise to support the FA about how you know how they might be looking at their pathways and I'm like what a strange turn of events like this (laughs) is but in the sense of like great to see how valuable it is for different sports to be talking about their pathway and you know I, I hadn't I, I I firmly believe that there was two things that ha- went wrong for me at the FA. I forgot to dream. I forgot to dream bigger because I thought that I'd hit my dream. I, 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 I peaked too soon and I forgot, once I got there, I forgot to dream bigger. And um, by doing that, I just became a bit blindsided to, to looking what else was out there. And, um, you know, hadn't I, I probably closed myself off I feel like the last 18 months I've had more experiences just than maybe I did for a lot of the time that I was working in the FA.
0: Blindsided and dream bigger you know those kind of two massive concepts and I wonder whether we can even speed those revelations up in our life or whether it's a a matter of circumstance you know that we go on the journey and these things kind of fall out when the time's right who knows but it just sounds like you're in a a fabulous place. It feels like the blinkers have come off you know and and I love the idea of optimism and dreaming because I think if we can all do that imagine what we could achieve hey
1: yeah and I think that's a really interesting kind of the wood for the trees um one of uh, Martin I mentioned kind of uh, earlier one of my mentors he had this whole he used to talk to me uh, when I was a manager I had a lot of a young manager had a lot of different difficult experiences managing people and he used to give me this men- metaphor about um center parks and he used to say to me sometimes you know when you're in the middle and you can't see all the trees are on the outside you just can't see the way and he's like but that doesn't mean that there's not a way it just means at the moment you you can't see that and and there was a lot of times where I felt like that was so true like I knew there was a way out and I didn't know the way and I got so stressed because I didn't know the way and he was like it doesn't matter it's like when people say you know when one door closes another one opens he's like well it might do but there also might be like five doors and you're not sure which one to take and, and and that's okay and um, I you know I think I I've said this quite a lot over the past six six or seven weeks people have asked me a question about you know um what what would you do differently or like what would you say to younger self about this that and the other and I I just honestly wish that I'd be, felt better about just being myself and I think that's kind of coming from coaching experiences I've been told quite early on that um, I needed to be louder you know if I was going to be taken seriously as a coach I needed to be louder and I needed to be a bit firmer and all this um, and I lost the sense of like who I was and I felt very under pressure about being someone and and, and actually at times became a bit miserable and a bit aggressive in my language or a bit blunt because I, I was trying to be someone that felt very uncomfortable. That was a stretch for me. And I, I lost who that was. Um, and at times I, I wish that I'd been, I wish that I'd been braver to, to be, to be myself, but been braver to, to kind of push myself a little bit further sooner. But, um, do I think I would have left the, do I think I should have left the FA sooner? Yeah. Uh, but there wasn't an opportunity for me to do that, so I'm like I say, I'm very grateful for that experience I had. All of those experiences have made me who I am today, and I, I'm I'm so grateful for that because I think I'm in a better. And I don't think could it have been accelerated? Yeah, probably. But um, I've i still got a lot a lot to learn, and I think I'm I'm learning so much more now being in this environment because it is a stretch. It's a continuous stretch for me. Like every day, I don't know as much as anyone else. So that, and that feels really good. It feels good to to, to be in a continuous state of stretch for me. Mm. So I think one of the things that is really important to me is, um, is just acknowledging like my behavior and, and also how I feel. You know like i think maybe having those experiences and there are a lot of things that are quite vivid in my mind like I, I remember the day that um my dad said that you know he didn't love my mom anymore and what's really interesting about that is i remember how powerful that conversation was because a lot of people might go oh my god like you know your parents separated wasn't that traumatic but actually my lasting memory of that is how brave my dad was and how brave he was to say that and to me that that's really important. And then there's been a lot of moments after that, you know, and the conversations that I've had with different people went to counseling is like, it's really important to me that I acknowledge, like when I'm happy, sad, frustrated, cause I need to understand what gets me to that point. And, you know, I'm not saying that I deal with all of that perfectly, but I also feel like um, it's helped me be better and more in tune to supporting other people because um, I think, you know, ultimately what lies at helping anyone in whatever environment is understanding them and their motivations and being attuned to kind of like what makes them happy, what makes them sad. You know, and I think I'm I'm good at that with myself and I want to try to kind of show that that's important to me and that's what helps me kind of um, or drives me and I'm not saying that you know everyone needs to kind of jump on board and like be like oh yeah like let's understand each other better but um it is important to me and it's important to me that I can um be okay with and, and be and be quite transparent and be quite vulnerable and you know um because to be honest at the start of this podcast you asked me how I was and you and I was like yeah I'm good I'm good but five <laughs> minutes before that you'd me how I was and I'm like you know what I'm not having the best day but actually I knew that and I, I acknowledged that and I, I didn't feel great this morning but um actually through the process of kind of like recording this I I feel a lot better and I think part of that is because um it's really helpful to me to verbalise um, my thoughts and feelings. And also when I verbalise that and when I say things out loud, part of what I've done today is kind of talk about that journey that I've been on. Um, and I'm okay with saying that actually I'm quite proud of where I am today mm. because um a lot of those experiences have been quite difficult, have been uh tough. And yeah, like one of the bravest things I've ever done is leave something that I was really happy at a place of work that I was really happy at that I was really good at to come to a place that I didn't know if I could do the job and if I would be taken seriously Um, and so I'm really I I am really really proud of that and that's taken (laughs) that's taken a long time to get to and to move towards that that point of being you know what I'm okay with who I am I'm proud of you know where I am today
0: So what also dropped out for me is, you know, I I can really see why you do the job you do, you know, the journey you've gone on in terms of your self-discovery and that awareness gathering uh, along the way. But but also in terms of, you know, and I want to draw this a little bit because you work in a performance environment, you know, and, you know, the, the principles that you're talking here about. Showing that vulnerability and that awareness and being honest about the the tough times as well as the good times and just being kind of clear is actually, for me, one of the principles of, um, you know, it's a performance enhancer, isn't it? It's a developer. You're wanting to use some of those attributes because then it's given you choices, which, you know, I've clearly heard you drop out here. It's informed the directions I've taken. It's not always made them easier, but at least I'm dealing with reality or what's going on. I sincerely hope those that are listening will have picked up loads of gems and uh, have got to know you, but also have really challenged themselves with some of the the questions you've posed either to yourself but also to them. Um, I'm going to ask you: Are there any kind of resources or books that have supported you on your journey that we might be able to share with some of the listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be at my my fabulous bookshelf behind me. <laughs> it's like, to be honest, what's really interesting about um about books and stuff is I'm not always the best with them, right, yeah. so I'm kind of a holiday reader, or um, uh, got furloughed last year for a little bit, so spent a bit of time reading there. Um, I There's a few books that have been really pertinent to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Blink was a, one of the first books I read. Um, more like, as in like, a, you know, a work type of book. Someone yeah. recommended it to me, and I was just fascinated by that because, there's that whole thing of kind of like, do we know what we want, um, you know? And, and, and I, I felt like I really did, I did like being tuned into that. And that kind of like really spoke to me. So that was a, a really important um, book. Um, then there was kind of like a couple of books. So me and my, Nick, we do, um, our birthdays are in December and we do a birthday Christmas exchange. Like every year we get each of the books and he's really good at buying me books uh, that make me cry actually because they they really touch me, like they really like kind of get to me. So one of the best books I've uh, read recently is called In the Heat of the Moment and it's by um, Sabrina Cohen-Hatton and she is a fire chief. She was one of the first female fire chiefs and it's a kind of um, a mix of a bit of a biography and a bit, um, I would say like worky related type educational book. Um, And there's some stuff in there where she talks about really making high pressure decisions about um, how many people will die depending on what decision she makes. And I was just like, oh my God. And it it, it honestly is fascinating. Um, And that, and he also got me a book called Running Like a Girl. That's a book that I read on a plane to Melbourne. And I remember reading it and it's about this girl who basically is not a runner and she teaches herself and she's ended up running the marathon like two or three times now and I was reading this and there was something in there about how she'd written it that really just touched me about how she described the 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 how proud she was of herself and the emotion and the thoughts and the feelings of what it felt like to run the marathon to have all these people be like so proud and and I, I was books I've never experienced like book making me cry before but like I was in that It really in it and I think there was just something about those two books in particular like Blink was very pertinent in my kind of working career yeah that makes sense to me I think um, running like a girl was very pertinent because it was kind of like you know what like she's done something there that's made herself really proud and like she didn't know how to do that before yeah. she taught herself how to do that and I was like I was really like invested in that and then I read that in the heat of the moment last summer actually and I was just fascinated by again she, the the, uh, the woman was homeless at 16 um she kind of pursued something she'd done a PhD and this that and the other not necessarily had a traditional educational background you know um, now educating and supporting other people talking about decision making and and I was just like wow this woman is amazing and they were just books that you know we all get told like don't get me wrong I've read a lot of other books that are kind of very in uh, you know but those two books me were important like they they triggered something in my head that was like you can do anything that you set your mind to to be honest Sarah like just you can do what you want to do if you care about it enough and you're passionate about it and that's the key I, I could I could look at other people's journeys look at other people's work and be like oh yeah you know that's good or I could want that but if it doesn't light a fire inside me or I'm not passionate about it I can't do it because I am not a faker (laughs) like I I just I can't fake anything you know what I'm passionate about is what I'm passionate about and that's what drives me and gets me up and gets me going every day
0: brilliant messages there and I I love the idea you know I can't fake it and I I guess my question to to the listeners and you know something that you've worked out through your career and your life is you know why would we want to fake it if we could have something that we really want to do and can really be passionate about it and add value to it and enjoy it and earn some money from doing it if that's what's required so Mm -hmm. why fake it if you don't need to kind of stuff I've got a a couple more questions and the next one would be for me again you know you've talked a lot about how you've turned up into the world and the transitions that you've been through how do you prepare yourself on a daily basis both sort of mentally and physically yeah
1: so some of them are really simple like um muting whatsapp groups and putting my putting my phone on do not disturb Um, so Sometimes I find WhatsApp groups really overwhelming. Um, I'm very, um, I'm a very responsive person. I think so. I th- like when emails come in, I can be triggered by that and want because I can be a bit um, people pleaserish. So I can be like, oh, that that deserves a response and it deserves a response now. So I actually have. No notifications on my phone generically, anyway. So, no, none for Twitter, none for any of the social media on a normal daily basis. So, I don't get triggered to respond automatically. So, I do that anyway. And I actually have that on my laptop as well. So, I don't get a notification of a new email, um, only if I go in and check. So, it's so you're managing like, it,
0: sort of thing, you're driving yeah. it. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I'm, I try to kind of do that every day. and um, but yeah, like so this morning, I put my phone on do not disturb and just left it and thought right well i don't want to be triggered by it or be distracted by it to be fair because i've got a tendency to procrastinate and just get you know down rabbit holes on twitter or something if i'm trying to avoid that and being outside is really important to me um so just getting the opportunity to like walk and stuff. Uh, I've taken up running since the start of the year. And that was just because, and to be honest, a lot of that was me telling myself that I was I couldn't do it. So I just started with the couch to 5K um, and yeah, just really like loved it. And um, uh, there was plenty of times when I'm like, I hate this. I hate it, it's so <laughs> horrible. But actually I think for that, for me, it was about finding out that I could do it. So that that's been really important um I I think like boundaries and rest is really good so I had a couple of people who've messaged me last night and this morning saying oh um hi like do you want to meet up for a walk do you want to go for a coffee whatever and um I I would really I really would love to and they're pe- they're not like people that you know would zap my energy or anything but actually um if I did that today I'd be squeezing them in and I might be missing something out myself so I it takes I'm not great at it all the time (laughs) but when I feel like you know I'm not having a good day I think I I have to kind of say to myself Sarah is this the best thing for you today is it is it fair to them that you're going to squeeze them in is it fair for yourself um so I try to kind of be be okay with that and be like right listen keep your boundaries keep them safe keep you know prioritize self um so yeah
0: just just normal really two more questions you mentioned a little bit about um you know a younger version of yourself when we spoke uh, you know a little bit earlier in the in the podcast what, what kind of two or three principles would you give to people coming through and saying you know how to live a kind of a high performance or a happy successful life what would be the two or three key words or principles would you share do you think
1: yeah, I mean, this is, it's an interesting one, this, because I think, do you remember last year, like, Marcus Rashford, um, he wrote a letter to himself, I think, his younger self or something, and um, I, uh, so I actually did that. But I think he wrote a letter to himself um, really quite young, because he is only young anyway, when he was, like, seven or something. But I wrote a letter to myself, um, and I just picked a a really pertinent time in my year. And I actually wrote a letter to myself when I was, like, 23 or something. Mm -hmm. And I I kind of just reflected back on um, how I thought I was feeling at that time and, you know, tried to kind of almost say, it'll be all right, you know. And I think, for me, um, I think there's some stuff in there about um, being okay with not necessarily having a goal, like having that kind of goal or dream and stuff like that, because there were times, you know, like I used to say to people, I don't know what I want. I don't know. The only thing I've ever been really firm on ever about my goals was like, I thought, well, I said, I wanted to work at the FA and then buying a house, you know? So, and, and I knew that, and I was very clear, like, I couldn't tell you now what I thought I'll be doing in the next year or then, you know, I don't particularly have a career goal. And I think that's one of the things that I've tried to do is um, be present. So I think we can chase things forward and not enjoy where we are. And I've definitely spent a lot of time doing that. So I think in terms of, you know, be okay with not having a plan. So therefore be present and enjoy every moment and every experience and, that's a very important thing to me that I talk about coaches in terms of giving athletes really good experiences and in turn enjoying their coaching and that experience Um, because we go from session to session day to day to day people say live for the weekend it's Monday again like I think we just need to be be present and, and be okay with that and you know like I say I think we it's it's really hard it's really hard because my younger self i don't know if she would still listen to me but i think just be okay with but i think young people have got it a bit harder now because of social media and this that and the other but i also think that young people are fascinating to me like they're so much more open and so much more um kind of flexible with life and who they are and prepared to talk and share about that and i think that's something to be admired and something to be praised and i think um yeah just be okay with who you are and just enjoy the moment it's not okay you don't no one needs to have a life plan of one three and five years like you (laughs) don't you don't need it
0: um math question you've been so um open and capturing in your honesty and your awareness of your journey, the highs and lows, as, I, as I've mentioned, um, and, and I've shared your story. Whose sports story or, you know, somebody in and around the sport world would you be curious to find out more about and why?
1: Yeah, do you know what? This is <laughs> it's, it's quite difficult, really. I mean, I think um, from a... Um, just a, a, a person kind of like perspective, like, and just some of the experience that I'd had with him. Like, um I am a big number one fan of Gareth Southgate. I, I just think, for me, he epitomises what it is to be a great person and a great coach. And um, there's a lot of, I, I was really fortunate to spend a, a, a bit of time with him working with the, the 21s and, uh, yeah. you know, keep in touch with him and he's he's done some stuff with the roses um for us but i think he epitomizes like being a good person valuing the team the language that he uses is is about the team it's not his team Um, and i think he's experienced you know some difficult times and and managed to kind of like turn that around Um, so definitely him. And I'm going to cheat a little bit because well, I like I'm,
0: cheating, You're pushing the boundaries yeah. again, Sarah. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, go for it.
1: But I also think that um, like Jess, our head coach, has got a really interesting story because actually, as well as being a player, actually the early part of her um, learning journey and educational experience uh, was in the NHS, um, you know, and I think that's kind of where we talk about the roles that people have had that they're, they're not too far away from kind of like helping people yeah, and yeah. you're being around that nurturing and empathetic type um, roles and i think you know that's really um that's really interesting and fascinating to me
0: thank you so much you Now, should some of the listeners be interested how, how could they contact or find out a little bit more
1: uh i guess the best place is twitter so yeah, I think that for me, that's probably the best place. I, I kind of am pretty good at kind of sharing like, what's going off on there. Um, so yeah, Twitter's probably the best place.
0: Yeah, it's been great to have you on and, and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Okay, so that's a, a, hopefully I can tie you down to doing that because I, I know the next stage of the journey sounds like it's gonna be uh, pretty impressive. And Sarah, thanks very much, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. The chat was good. It's a very cathartic chat
0: today for me, actually. So thank you. Brilliant. All right. Take care and we'll see you again soon. So there we have it. The 44th episode of the Sports Stories podcast. And what a great episode it was. It was a real heartfelt, open, powerful story from Sarah today, which really gave a lot of her personality away. Yes, there was a few little glitches uh, in the audio. But for me, I hope that didn't detract the journey that she's been on, the messages that she provided, and clearly she's had a, a real journey through a professional discovery, but also a real self-discovery in terms of actually the awareness that she's gained, the uh, insights that she's had, and how um, she's really reflected on her learnings and experiences to inform where she goes next. Now two or three things that came up for me was the importance of asking for help. She really uh, laboured that in some ways and showed the value of talking to friends and colleagues and respected others for various things in her career, whether it was during her change of jobs or whether she was looking for a little bit of guidance or assistance. She went to a counsellor at times, but she also relayed on really close friends and colleagues. Um, and it really drove home for me the importance of choosing the right people to surround yourself with, but also seeking that help. The second point that really dropped out clearly for me was the challenges around her identity and changing the role from working um, for the FA right the way through to moving over to working with Netball and how that was such a toil and a trouble and a you know a challenge for her. Uh, having worked it through and read the signals, it actually dropped out as being the right move for her and changing role was the best thing that she could do as she kind of acknowledged. The other thing for me around changing role was also the importance of um, the title that we have and how that plays um sometimes very positively but also can actually lay quite heavily and be quite a, a burden on on you in the role that you do and actually recognizing that a title sometimes could get in the way of the work that you do and i thought she really tussled with that greatly and also found a real positive way through that and last but not least um, the idea of learning from others sarah's approach to life, I think, is that she's pretty much a sponge and really likes uh, picking up new ideas, stretching herself, pushing herself to the boundary uh, and exploring new, new horizons. And I think the idea of leaving a sport where she worked for 11 years and then went into another sport and recognised that actually there was so much more out there to learn from uh, and that horizons had really been stretched was fabulous. And I really like the idea that she saw that as a positive in terms of stretching herself but the value that she brings to the work she does. Um, And I guess I'm also a little bit biased because that plays to the the principles of sports stories in in a sense of sharing, swapping, looking in different places, um, but also being able to connect it back to your environment. So three really powerful takeaways. Uh, There were many, many more, um, but I hope you've taken something away for you if they're not the three that I've recommended there. And as always, I'd like to pose a couple of questions to you which really came through for me during listening to Sarah's story. The first question would be, How does your job title help or hinder you as well as who you think or believe you are and the second question what are you really proud of doing or saying in the last few years and why what does this say about you and what does it give you the fact that you've really been proud of something and achieved something so two big questions Uh, amongst many that I could come with, and Sarah actually posed a couple of questions herself. So take the ones that are relevant for you, but I really encourage you to go away and think about how her story can connect and be applied back into your context and to your environment. Now, focusing on your personal and professional development, I'm really pleased to have received some really positive feedback this week from uh, one of my listeners, Tim. Tim really shared with me the, the value that he got from the podcast, but also how he shared it with his work colleagues to really help them and challenge them in raising their performance standards. So thanks team, please keep sharing your successes and your stories as they're really helpful, keep driving us forward. Now over to uh, a couple of reminders and thanks. Uh, As always, um, social media and on the website, uh, www.sportstories247.com are the places where you can keep in touch with what we're doing. There's loads of good resources coming forward, um, which leads me on to um, the programme which is being launched in about a month or so's time. And if you're really keen to continue developing your coaching and leadership impact, whether you're struggling with what's going on at home or work, you're looking to get a better work balance, or you are looking for some inspiration around how to lead your teams uh, and become an even more impactful and effective leader, then this is the programme for you. So the programme is called, once again, Maximising Your Coaching and Leadership Impact. And, and have a look on the website For further details there. Furthermore, uh, as as resonates with today, Sarah really talked a lot about the the support that she both has received from coaches and mentors or counsellors, but also the role that she plays in helping others developing their practice, whether it be in sport or out. And so I just want to draw your attention to the the coaching and mentoring offer that we have at Sport Stories. Again, have a look on the website There are a number of different packages that are available to to everybody's needs. So please have a look there. Um, If you would like further information and it's not on the website, please drop me a note. So all it leaves me is to say two really big thank yous. One to you, the listeners, for listening in, sharing your stories, your successes, offering reviews, giving me feedback uh, and obviously joining me on the podcast. And also a big thanks to uh, today's special guest, Sarah Green. It's really great to have Sarah on as she's joining the uh, the vast array of great guests that we have on the podcast so enough from me from today thanks again for joining me and i really look forward to another fantastic guest on the sports stories podcast take care and bye for now